What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every single day. Fun episode for you today. Matt George is going to join the program, the host of Locked On Kings, and we're going to get you set with everything you need to know about the home opener for both these teams. Should be an evenly matched game, and maybe we'll give us a little insight into what the play-in, playoff picture will look down the line between two teams that figure to be neck and neck all season long. Here's that conversation. The NBA season is here. Matt George from Locked On Kings. Mike Richmond from Locked On Blazers. Kings Blazers opening up their season Wednesday night in Sacramento. Mike, both of these teams, at least when you hear the national conversation and the perspective of NBA standings and things like that, they seem to be in pretty similar tiers, pretty similar spots. But ultimately, NBA season is back even with or without the expectations. How are you feeling about Blazers basketball returning? Well, I'm excited to watch NBA basketball for sure. Um, that part is fun. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy this stretch. Um, I, you know, to be totally honest, I've watched the Blazers in preseason and they look pretty bad. So um, I'm a little, I'm interested to see what it's like when the games count, when they're playing fourth quarters for real, when, um, you know, when you can stretch 37 minutes out of Damian Lillard, if need be, when you're struggling, that, those type of things. But I would say the early returns are not particularly promising. Whereas in, uh, you know, about a thousand miles south of here, maybe 900 miles south of here, the Kings do what they do and they go undefeated in a preseason. One of the great October basketball franchises in the world. Uh, I bet you're, I bet you're pretty positive about where the Kings are, I would guess, after the exhibition season. Well, we're feeling good. I, I made the joke, but it's also kind of true. Like the Sacramento Kings might be the gre- the greatest franchise in the NBA in games that don't actually count. Like they're two-time summer league champions and they, they went undefeated in preseason last year and this year. So preseason yeah, basketball. I mean, hey, if it doesn't matter, the Kings are all in on those games. But I mean, maybe that makes Blazers fans feel a little bit better too. You had a crappy preseason, but maybe you can learn from that and turn that around versus the Kings have a good preseason, maybe bring some swagger into the regular season, get punched in the mouth and go, oh wait, crap, we're the Kings. We haven't won in 16 years. How much does the we haven't won in 16 years weigh on the fan base, weigh on like like how big of a weight is that this season? It's significant. I mean, the last season was, and I was on record saying multiple times, last season was my least favorite season, probably the most difficult season for me and for a lot of Kings fans to get through, period, because expectations were so high and that team was just absolutely abysmal. Now, expectations for this season are high as well, except the team looks significantly different. Uh, Mike Brown seems to have brought in a change of culture. Of course, all of this hasn't been truly tested yet, but the belief is that, okay, something is really different here. It's not like, okay, we're hoping these returning players can figure it out together when it hasn't worked three or four years. Now you have a couple of returning players or big returning names like De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, and you've added, I still consider DeMontis Sabonis new, even though he was at the trade deadline. Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, these pieces that uh, can help space the floor, defensive pieces as well that you've added, a defensive-minded head coach with a a championship pedigree from Golden State and even in his time in, in Cleveland. So, There's a lot of reasons to feel like this can be different, but there's also a lot of people here in Sacramento, Mike, who are, I'll believe it when I see it type thing. How, so so obviously Sabonis, I mean, I I don't, I, to me, he's taken over the mantle as the King's best player. I don't know if that, that's like how it works with the sort of deer and Fox hierarchy there, but how much does a full season of 
of of Domas excite you? And like, what what do you think they can? Where do you think he takes them with what what he brings? Well, Demontis Sabonis doesn't just open up the game for De'Aaron Fox, which we saw right away. Like De'Aaron right. from the trade deadline last year on, before he finished the last the end of the season, kind of out with injury, he went from his low twenties averages to averaging almost thirty points a game. Now there are some outliers there as well. He started shooting over forty percent from three point range. That's definitely not sustainable for De'Aaron. We wish it was, but it's not. Maybe. <laughs> but th- the reality is, Demontis Sabonis is, and this is we heard this consistently throughout training camp. Sabonis is just really easy to play with because if you cut, yeah. he'll find you. He's not selfish. He can score. He'll rebound. Uh, but he, he loves to pass, loves to find his open teammates, can get his own shot when he needs to. And we're, we're keeping a close eye on his ability to space the floor. He's been working a lot on his three-point shot over the offseason, so we'll see if that actually translates to help the floor spacing. Uh, but Sabonis seems like someone that that everybody's really happy uh, to play with. And I, I think 82 games of that, knock on wood, he's able to play 82 and De'Aaron's able to play close to 82, uh, I think can be a really big difference maker for the Kings. But Mike, when I, I look at the Blazers roster and you see Damian Lillard there and you think, okay, as long as Dame is there, there's a chance because of just how good Dame is. But the pieces that surround him, like I'm really interested in Shaden Sharp. Uh, I'm really interested um, in in Gary Payton third. Like there's a lot to like about the Blazers roster. Jeremy Grant as well, who is a name connected to Kings and rumors a lot of the last couple of off seasons. But then when I saw them in person in preseason, it it just looked disjointed. It looked like, okay, we haven't figured it out yet. And maybe we have a long way to go. Yeah, they looked, they looked mad, mad. They looked so bad in that game against Sacramento. They looked like that was, uh, I've spent the last couple off seasons being like in the preseason, they've struggled the last two. They're the anti-Kings, right? They've struggled in the last two, <laughs> in the last two, uh, preseasons. Uh, uh, Chauncey Billups has never won a preseason game against an Oof. NBA team, Oof. um, which I, in the past, I'd say largely meaningless, right? Like the exhibition season doesn't matter when you have, like when your best player's in his thirties, like it just preseason doesn't matter. Like hmm. Damian Lord's going to play when the games count, he'll go get it. And I'm not worried about him. Last year, they're really bad in the preseason and immediately carried over. And so I was like, this year I'm going to pay more attention to the preseason. I'm going to put more stock into it. And that game against the Kings was like, okay, this team might be bad. Like this <laughs> that was like, that was the first moment where I worried. Um, the flip side of that is that the games don't matter. Hmm. And that, that uh, they did look disjointed. I think that's a good observation by you. They just didn't look connected on offense. It's like, maybe this team isn't ever going to be good on defense just because of the personnel. But the idea is that they're still going to be a really good offensive team. And they didn't, they didn't look like that. And I think that's the concern, right? But to your point, like, Jeremy Grant's the best forward that they've had since LaMarcus Aldridge left. It's, he's a big upgrade there. When when GP2, when Gary Payton II is healthy, he's going to miss the first couple weeks of the season with an injury. But when he's healthy, that's a really good defensive player that they can add to the mix, um, which allows them – it's like a cascading effect of having less crappy defenders on the court. You have one guy that helps, then the guy who was out of posi- – you know, was Josh Hart, who's being asked to do a little bit too much. He gets slide- – he slides down responsibility. You know, it's it helps across the board to, to upgrade the personnel there. I. I think, you know, they've made some of some additions, you you know, Josh Hart in there too, some additions that help their defensive woes. You think that Dame gets right. You think that Amphrey Simons, who is at least has shown to be a really good offensive player in moments that they can get there. But my concern with them is their strengths haven't been their strengths, which we saw in preseason. So I, I think this is like a good juxtaposition. Is this a team that looks hopeful with some new parts that say, Hey, the preseason matters. We're on the right track. Our coaches roaring in the press conferences, or is this like, 
you know, the team that looks that needs to kind of find their footing. And I, I think that's why game one is, uh, is an interesting test for both these teams. Yeah, I, I think I said Gary Payton the third, and I'm so used to having thirds here with the Marvin Bagley the third uh, in Sacramento. So GP two is is the actual correct uh, his correct. I bet name. there's a GP three out there somewhere. That I bet. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Gary has kids. Actually, <laughs> we'll we'll have to wait and, and and see on that one. But you know, my expectation going into this game, Mike, and I, and I've been saying this a little bit on Locked On Kings is like the Blazers aren't as bad as they looked in preseason. And my concern is, and this is maybe the wounded kind of Kings mindset is the Kings walk into this game with a swagger of, we just beat this team easily at home while not playing our starters and our main guys bulk minutes. Okay. This will be a piece of cake. And that's when Dame and Jeremy Grant and, and they figure it out. These games matter. So it's like, okay, dress rehearsal is over. Now you actually have to perform. That's when these guys shine their brightest and the Kings get caught napping a little bit. And suddenly they're reverting back to their old bad habits. So I don't know if that lends more of an optimistic viewpoint to the Blazers fans heading into this game, but the Kings are very susceptible to maybe not taking, and hopefully Mike Brown can change this culture. But in the past, the Kings have not always taken opponents that they think they're better than seriously. And it's costed them. Yeah, I mean, with all due respect, I think most of the NBA is like, yeah, maybe the Kings will be bad. (laughs) I think that's been, uh, we're talking a decade of like, yeah, maybe the Kings will be bad. I think that's, um, I think that's a safe bet that outside of the market that other teams are like, you know what? They might be a little bit better, but I think we can get this one. Uh, Let's, uh, you mentioned Shane Sharp and I want to ask you about Keegan Murray. Let's, let's talk, uh, let's talk young guys in, in the second segment, but first. You play prize picks, man? You mess around with prize picks? I do. I play prize picks. I think it's the best way to play daily fantasy basketball, in my opinion. There's just so much to manage normally with daily fantasy basketball that prize picks makes it so much easier. Plus, going against the house, going against the the, exactly. the, the lines, the computers, without having to worry about those sharks online, that's a big difference for me. Yeah, I, I use the app. Uh, you can also go to prizepicks.com. The app's super, super simple, super easy. You can make your pick. You're picking, you know, between two and five players on your on your uh, ballot each each night, and you can you can make multiple selections, so you can do a whole bunch of them. I'm picking between two between two and five guys. I usually like four. That's a sweet spot for me on on uh, on the Prize Picks app. Super easy to use, takes me like 60 seconds and then super quick to get your money. Once I win, once I'm right that Anthony Simons hits his over on the points, I'm getting my money in less than 24 hours. I'm, I've really enjoyed it. And I imagine that both of our listeners will enjoy playing it as well. I, I really hope the two of them cash in as much as they possibly can uh, on the uh, on the the both locked on Kings knowledge, the locked on Blazers knowledge, and ultimately the maybe optimism or sometimes pessimism. You can take the under as well with with some of the players that you choose. So maybe you you take two or three Kings on a nightly basis and go. I know they're not having a good night and just take the under <laughs> on all of them. And even if it's a loss, you can still make money off of it. You can. And, and if you go right now to prizepicks.com or you download the app, if you are a new user and you sign up and you use the promo code locked on, they'll match your money up to $100 in your first deposit. Put in $100, they're giving you $100. Put in $50, they're giving you $50. So go take advantage today. Go to prizepicks, download the app, and use that promo code locked on. All right, Matt, I got other questions for you. We talked Uh-oh. young folks. I didn't mention Shaden Sharp because I don't know if Shaden Sharp's going to play, <laughs> but we'll talk about him in a moment. There is a rookie who's going to play in this game, though. Keegan Murray looks really freaking good. Why are you so excited or are you so excited about Mr. Murray and the Kings? 
Well, I actually have to correct you because there's a good chance Keegan Murray will not be playing in this he's game. Hurt? He's, he's currently in health and safety protocols. We got an update on Monday from Mike Brown that they're not trying to rush him back. It was no, there's no confirmation of him not playing or playing. Uh, but Mike also did mention that he would like for Keegan to get a practice in before he comes back with the amount of time that he's missed. So as of right now, the the stars are aligning or all signs are pointing to Keegan Murray will not be playing on Wednesday, which is a big bummer, I think, uh, for, for both sets of fans with how exciting yeah. he has looked to this point. Also, there's question marks about Kevin Herter, who's been dealing with ankle soreness, although I think he's high more likely, highly more likely to play uh, than Keegan is. But when Keegan does play, when he makes his debut, when he makes his debut, I mean, he's just really good. Like he's just a really solid really well put together rookie. Now I have been high on the Keegan Murray train since the Kings, even before the Kings moved up in, in the draft lottery. But when they moved up to four, I was like, okay, Keegan's in your window. The big debate in Sacramento was Keegan Murray versus Jaden Ivy. That was a big debate really around all of the NBA surrounding sure. the draft. I was Keegan 100%. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that I'm right. And I told you so because Keegan has been better than even I expected to this point. Now he's been really, really good in games that don't officially count. So how does he play Kings in games legend. that do officially? Yeah. I mean, he's some people already think he's the second or third best player on the team. He might make a case for it right away. I think he could be the best shooter on the team. Uh, and he's definitely, I've put out the prediction. I'm going to stand by it at some point this season. Mike Keegan Murray will be the betting favorite to win rookie of the year. I mean, for for rookie of the year stuff, there's minutes for him. Dudes, dude can score at all three levels, uh, and it, there's minutes for him on a team that's going to be that wants to be competitive. Some you know some of the younger guys um, who maybe will be right in that mix are going to be on teams that are worse. And if you're on a team that wins a little bit more, you get the Evan Mobley bump, or you get the Scotty Barnes bump. Of obviously those dudes were awesome, mm -hmm. but it's like people start looking away from the Cade Cunningham's of the world and be like, yeah, that team sucks, which is like totally unfair to rookies. It's like not how rookie of the year should work. But I think the Kings being in that sort of play in range with a dude who plays regularly, he's going to play a bunch, right? Like I, I think he's going to play maybe 30 minutes a night on this team, like a bunch. Yeah. The expectation um, is he's going to have a, a decent amount of playing time. We still have to wait and see rotational wise, how Mike Brown is planning on using Keegan. He didn't start at all for the team during right. the preseason. Uh, it was a, Unpopular decision, in my opinion, but some Kings fans really rallied around Mike Brown's decision to start Casey Akpala more for defensive reasons. You saw Casey Akpala guarding Damian Lillard to yeah. open up that preseason game. So I get the defensive benefits. I don't think Mike's going to be able to keep Keegan Murray out of the starting lineup for, for long. And even if he doesn't start, he will be on the floor to close games, in my opinion. And yeah, he's going to be a, he's going to be a, I have to play him 30 minutes a night player because he's just so damn efficient. Yeah, they don't have a ton of, like, KZ is a, a much better defender. Um, the Kings are a little bit, um, and I can say this as expertise on bad defensive teams, they just don't have many good defenders on the roster. So right. it's like you got to play, you you know, you kind of got to play Davion and KZ and see what, like, at least a little bit to get positive defensive contributions somewhere up and down the, somewhere on there, um, on the team. But like, yeah, I think Keegan just has to play because he's so good. And it's like, uh, you know, Harrison Barnes is a is a just really solid vet. He's a dude who gets it done. But if you're sort of choosing for like the long-term health of the franchise, squeezing a handful of minutes from HB so Keegan Murray can play or playing the two next to them at, at the both forward spots, totally reasonable. I think you'll see I think you'll see it a bunch. I, I think Harrison Barnes can play three a little bit on most nights. Like I think he can guard not every three in the league, but I think it's fine. Um, even though if he if he's more power forwardy at this stage of his career.
So I, I need your help because you said that you're not sure if Shaden Sharp is going to play. And, and that hurts my soul because when I was going through this draft process, I was very adamant that Shaden Sharp was not a good pick for the Sacramento Kings. Like I was like, I avoid like the plague. There's too many question marks. The Kings are not in a position to really take that risk. They're not a franchise in the position to, uh, to take on all of those unknowns, take the surefire thing. Thankfully they did uh, in Keegan Murray. That being said, I, like so many others, are so intrigued by Sharp. So, like, we have so many questions and maybe red flags with his whole draft process and what right. happened at Kentucky and all that. But then you see the high school mixtapes. You see the moments that he had at times during preseason. You go, this young man is really, really talented. So, yeah. I selfishly want Shaden Sharp to play just to see him, Mike. So, put a, put a word into Chauncey Billups. Let's get him on the floor in this game. Uh, I gotta be honest, Chauncey's not listening to me. Um, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he'll maybe listen to my question, but he's not gonna listen to my input. Um, yeah, so you know, Sharp is he profiles probably as a three at some point in his career, but he's 19 years old and he's six six and skinny. Like I don't think you can really put him at like a ton of minutes at small forward if you want to be a competitive basketball team. I mean, they should. They just let him play a bunch. Like who cares? But. Um, with Dame, Damon Lillard and Amphrey Simons, there's a lot of minutes already spoken for there at guard. Those are, you know, that's 70 minutes that you already have have kind of spoken for. If if Josh Hart's going to play even a single second at two guard, you got to play him there. Seems like Keon Johnson has is ahead of Sharp in the pecking order, uh, second year player who they acquired last year at the trade deadline because uh, he's more point guardy and can handle the ball a little bit. If Gary Payton is healthy, he's not going to play in game one. But if Gary Payton is healthy, Shane Sharp's probably just out of the rotation, just be, like just by this virtue of how it works. Or you have to like get him in there, right? Like you have to make a choice. We're going to go small. We're going to play. Uh, we're going to get the rookie in there. So Justice Winslow is not going to play or whatever. The back half of the rotation is going to look a little different because they're making a specific choice to play him. But if you're just like playing your best dudes, you're probably not playing Sharp. That said, on night one with no Gary Payton, I think Sharp is like your ninth or tenth guy. And depending on what the Kings do and how big the Blazers need to stay, because the Blazers have been getting just crushed on the glass, just crushed. And, and you leave like you Sabonis in the game still will murder you on the offensive glass. That's that's a nightmare. So like they might need to go bigger, which means that Sharp wouldn't necessarily have a spot in the rotation naturally. That said. I want him to play every night. Hmm. Like the Blazers don't look so they don't, the Blazers do not look competitive enough where you can say, Hey, let, let, you know, be patient, let him stay behind the scenes and work on his craft and get there. Like if they were good, like if I thought this team was like a home court, home court advantage type team, I'd be like, nah, listen, that's the plight of, of being a rookie on a good team is that you just don't get to play. Hmm. They don't look very good. Play him, <laughs> play him, get him on the court. I I'm, I'm with you. Like, you watch the high school mixtapes, you watch six minutes on YouTube and you're like, yeah, I'm in like this dude could be a star and I want to see him play high level basketball. Like he just hasn't played against high level basketball. I want to see him have to try to score on Davion Mitchell. I want to see him have to try to score on Malik Monk. Like, like not even, not even like a really good defensive player, but like just a random NBA dude, like an NBA guard. I want to see him have to go get a bucket because we just need to see him more. Um, I am, you know, I'm not, uh, he's not going to be in the Keegan Murray rookie of the year conversation because the minutes and the shots aren't there, mm -hmm. but he has the talent to be one of the best players in his draft class without a question.
Well, Mike, let's switch gears and let's talk about the play-in race and, and best and worst case scenarios for this team a little bit. Because I've heard a lot of people say it's going to be Kings and Blazers really fighting for that 10th spot, that final yeah. play-in spot. However, I get the vibe from both of us that if things go right, and I think there, there might be a little more optimism in Sacramento than Portland, which is crazy to think about. But <laughs> if things go right, like eight nine maybe even seven it's not unachievable for the uh this team so my question to you is like what's the i guess the the peak you think in the in the floor for this blazers team and how really intense do you think the battle is going to be between our two teams come that that play in western conference standings time well, I think first, the important thing for both fan bases is none of the teams behind Portland and Sacramento have any interest in making the playoffs. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, like at some point, Utah is going to have to like convince a bunch of veterans to go home or send mm -hmm. them to other places. Their team is too good for what they want to do right now. They have too many good adults. They're going to have to get rid of get rid of the grown folks and, and bail. Poor Mike San Antonio Conley. doesn't want to win. Houston doesn't want to win. OKC doesn't want to win. Those, you know, those those teams are out of it. Um, so you're really talking 10 teams in the West, 10 teams plus Utah in the West. So I, I, I think the floor for both of these teams is like right in that range, right? Is like, is that they're the bottom of the plan. If everything goes right for the Blazers, I think they win 45 games and they finish whatever that gets you seventh in the West, maybe six, because it's going to be pretty crowded in there. But that would need, that would mean like best case scenario means. 75 games of use of Nurkic. Like he's available and mm -hmm. good because they just have so little depth in the front court. It means Damian Lillard as Damian Lillard, as the all NBA dude, you know, like in the conversation for the best point guard in the league, not named Steph Curry, right? Mm -hmm. Like he has to be that good. It means Anthony Simons taking a step forward. It means Jeremy Grant, uh, you know, continuing to be like being an answer on the defensive end, as well as continuing what he looks like a little bit in Detroit, all of those things. They need good health. They need um, specifically, they just need Nurk to play a bunch because they don't have many centers on the roster. All of that said, I think they're, they're, they're like a 45 win team. I think the floor is something like 35 wins. Like, mm -hmm. I think they, I think it could really fall out on them just because if Nurk misses a month, you know, say he's, say he, uh, not even a month, bad sprained ankle, misses 12 days, right? Like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to take two weeks. I stepped on somebody's foot. It's basketball. It happens. That means Olivier Saar and Drew Eubanks are your two centers. Mm. That's a big step down. Like mm. with all due respect to those two gentlemen, that's not starting caliber centers. It's not probably not even backup caliber centers in the league. They're just missing those, those parts. Um, so I, I think they're, I think they're pretty fragile. Um, I think last year the Blazers felt pretty stale. They changed it up. They added some new parts, and now they feel fragile. They feel like their their margin for error is just so slim. Uh, I'll, I'll flip it back to you. What's the best and worst case scenario for your Kings? What's funny is like that that 44, 45, 46 range that you were saying. I think that's that's peak for Sacramento, and. I look at this roster and I'm like, okay, it's not hard to believe that they could achieve that, but because Kings are on the front of their jersey or Sack is on the front of their jersey, you just don't expect it because they haven't been able to do it. Realistically, I think this roster is a playoff roster in, in, in the West. That doesn't mean anything because you actually have to play the games and, and there's a, a culture and a history that regardless of how long you've been in Sacramento, for some reason, a lot of players come to Sacramento and just can't figure it out like the, the concern is there's been so many players like marco bellinelli comes to mind 
great shooter in San Antonio, comes to Sacramento, forgets how to shoot. So please, God, let Malik Monk and Kevin Herter find a way to break that curse. <laughs> um, so 44, 45, 46 wins, I think, is around the peak for the Sacramento Kings. I just don't know how achievable that is. I don't even want to think about the floor because the reality is like if the King, there is no really where did the Kings go from here? If it doesn't work, it fails horribly. Then you're at the point where it's just like, I got to literally blow everything up at that point. We're right. talking about, okay, like the, the De'Aaron Fox era is over. And, and, that, and yeah. it's not because you blame De'Aaron necessarily, although there's a lot of attention on him because he doesn't have as many excuses or as many excuses as the guys he's playing next to. Like, and I think De'Aaron's going to rise the occasion to, uh, to be honest with you. I think De'Aaron, if De'Aaron played in, in most other markets, he'd be talked about way more than he is uh, in Sacramento because he's extremely skilled. And I think he's really going to get the opportunity to show it this year. But like, if it doesn't work, the Kings go, okay, we've done pretty much the best we can with the cards that were dealt at the moment, we got to just blow everything up. And at that point, then you're looking at, I traded Tyrese Halliburton to the, uh, for the Indiana Pacers for a year and some change rental of DeMontis Sabonis. And boy, that's going to be something that maybe the Kings regret for a long time. In addition to the Marvin Bagley draft selection. So the, the floor for the kid, like the joke is, wait, it, who did it, they choose Bagley over? <laughs> just kidding. Stop you. We've moved on. <laughs> damn it, Mike, we've moved on. Uh, don't reopen old wounds. They're, they're still bleeding enough in most of our hearts. But like the joke is in the year that so many teams don't want to make the playoffs because of this draft class. And when Bayama absolutely, and it's perfect. The Kings are like, yes, we're in. We'll take it type thing. It's perfect. And that, that might be honestly how it plays out. So if that's the case and the odds are in the Kings favor, because the idea of the Kings then outright tanking to try and get into that mix to me just is it's not even fathomable so i was going to ask you mike is there a possibility if the blazer season whether it's injuries or just the team sucks or whatever if the season goes so bad do the blazers you think ever at any point turn their attention to that draft class or because dame is here they just stick with what they got and figure out where it and where they land I think there is a chance that they do pull the plug at some point. Um, not, you know, they did it last year, but it, it was like a confluence of things. Damian Lillard got hurt and had to have seizing a season ending surgery mm. that uh, like helped, right. That helps because it makes the, it makes the first domino fall. It's like, Hey, Dame's not here. We're already going to be kind of bad. Mm. And then you get deeper into the season and you say, okay, hey, Nurk, remember how you had plantar fasciitis all season long? And he's like, I don't recall that, no. And they're like, no, but you did. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll leave um, if you give me $70 million at the end of this. And, and, and you know, then they, you know, Anthony Simons has a knee thing come up and Josh Hart has a knee thing come up. It's like, but, but you, if you don't have the first domino, like if you don't have Dame out of it, mm. you can't really pull the plug. So I think it's a little bit harder for him this mm. year. I do think it's harder for him. Um, but I think there's a chance that they're kind of naturally like 10th in the West. And then they look up and they say like, okay, well, the two teams above us right now are, I don't know, uh, New Orleans and Sacramento. Let's let them have it. Like, <laughs> let's let them have it. Let's, mm. let's do a stealth tank. And instead of playing Dame 34 minutes a night, let's play him 31 and see mm. if we can lose those three minutes so bad that it works. Um, I don't think they're a, like a shut it down candidate, but there's certainly a like, bail out head the other way you know pull the canoe out of the river type of team you know I, just say like let's let's just let's walk this one because we don't what's the point um but i i will say that's going to take some convincing because damian lord doesn't want to stink like he's been pretty clear about that
And that might be the big difference, Mike, is I think we're going to see some elite tanking from some teams this year, especially at the bottom of the Western Conference. Like we're going to see some some of the greatest tanking tactics that maybe we've ever, ever seen. I think OKC is already celebrating the fact that Shea Gilgis Alexander is starting the season on the bench. Poor Shea. Yeah. Uh, and and unfortunately, what happened to Chet Holmgren uh, over in OKC. So we're tanking is going to be something very, very interesting to follow because of the strength uh, of this draft class. But Mike, I also wanted to get your reaction to this because. This could be the 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 purple Kool-Aid, the optimism flowing here in Sacramento, but because the Blazers have the best player out of these two teams, that's not debatable, right? right. Dame Lillard, not debatable. The Blazers have had significantly more recent success than the Sacramento Kings had. Not debatable. I look at these teams for what they are right now. I look at the context of this season. I look at the trajectories of both teams, and I say, okay, I think the Sacramento Kings are just right now better. Is that fair? Is that overreacting? Do the Kings still need to prove that compared to the Blazers who maybe you're in a rough spot now, but they have proved that in the past. Yeah. I don't think it's outrageous. Like I probably disagree because I think top end talent matters so much mm -hmm. in the NBA. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the gap between Damon and, and Sabonis is pretty wide. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the, um, I guess it kind of depends on how much better you think De'Aaron Fox is than Anthony Simons. He's better for sure. But it's like, is it several magnitudes better? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, so then, then the Kings catch up pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. I, I really like what the Kings did this summer. I like Kevin Herter. I like Malik Monk. Um, you know, I, I, I like the Keegan Murray selection. I think that they've got shooting and space around a, a really fun pick and roll tandem. I worry that this is one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Like I think Sacramento might be one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Guess what? The Blazers are one of the worst <laughs> defensive teams in the league, baby. So I, yeah, exactly. So, so I think, I think they're relatively similar in that regard in terms of their weaknesses. And because of the Blazers top end talent, I think I would say they're a little better. That said, the bet online uh, .net odds, the good folks at bet online, got the Kings as a one and a half point favorite heading into this game. And I, I dear listeners, would I would take the Kings of the points, baby. I think I, I, <laughs> I think just based on what we've seen from these two teams early on, that the Kings likely should be favored. Um, and yeah, I think these are very similar. These teams are in similar spots in terms of overall talent. Mm -hmm. I think for sure. Um, I, I, I like that we both lean with the, with the teams that we cover. That's a, per, that's a perfect, uh, that's, that's a perfect uh, little bow on this one. It's like, no, I think the Blazers are better. Well, I think the Kings are better. Um, but yeah, I think these teams are really even, and I think they're going to be really even in the same range all year long. Well, I'm really excited for opening night, of, not just for the optimism surrounding the season, not just the fact that it's a home game because Kings and Blazers opened last season in Portland. Kings ended up uh, winning that game. Not that it mattered much because soon after the Kings fell into a ultimate downward spiral that never really ended. Uh, so hopefully it'll be different for the Kings this year. I think the Blazers are, there are a lot of people that are, are counting out the Blazers and maybe rightfully so time will tell, but I'm also very intrigued. A lot of it has to do with shade and sharp. And I'm a, such a huge Damian Lillard fan. I just, I'm concerned basically for this game. If the Kings can find a way to put, uh, to put the game away before Dame time can actually happen, then I think Sacramento's in good shape because even if it's Damian Lillard and four other scrubs on the court with him, which of course that's not the Blazers roster, but I'm, I'm using that as an extreme example. If the game is in, if the game's within reach in the fourth quarter, we've seen Dame can do it himself. And when the Kings yeah. have their defensive concerns, even with maybe the prospect of Davion Mitchell guarding Dame or Casey Akpala guarding Dame, 
I still will take the guy that I've seen do it time and time and time and time again over the hope of better defense in Sacramento. So if the Kings can do what they did in the preseason game and kind of put it out of reach before it gets to that point, I really, really like their chances into this game. But if it's close, man, I, I might give the odd to, to Portland. I'm still picking the Kings to win, but I'm always going to be afraid of, uh, of that wristwatch. <laughs> of the watch, man. Yeah, I hear you. Well, Mike, appreciate you, my friend. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to do this again at some point during the season because I have a feeling that once we get close, once the, the, the standings start to shake out a little bit, we might be looking at every Kings and Blazers matchup as a mini playoff for position. These are play-in pals, play-in pals. Do you want to do you want to host the 9-10 game or do you want to be on the road for the 9-10 game? Well, tune in to Locked On Blazers and Locked On Kings to find out who's well, going to be 9, who's going to be 10. For mediocrity, we'll do it together. Awesome. <laughs>